I love being outdoors, not because I get thrown out of the house for bad behaviour, although I should do, I guess. But I love being outdoors, whether it's digging in the garden, whether it's going for a walk on the lickies or Clent or, or even further afield. And I guess some of you are the same, whether it's tending a, a window box, whether it's walking in a vast forest, wilderness or whatever. So what are some of the things that you enjoy about creation? Yes. Springtime. Springtime. Tell us more. Everything's starting to grow. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kate. John. Freshness, the variety of it. And the fact it comes back every year. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. The sea. The sea. Oh, and just yeah. how, how different it is at different times. The quiet, yeah. flat blueness and the crushing waves. Yeah. You old romantic, you. Well, not old, but romantic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah. Bird song. Yep, certainly. Night sky. Right. Yes. Even here in Birmingham, we can still see some stars. It's great, isn't it? I like seeing things like Kate's banner that people have been inspired to create. Yeah. That's the creative touch coming out in you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> leading us on. Oh, up there, by the camera. You've got the vastness and variety of outdoors. It's wonderful, yeah. The small detail, like if you look inside a flower, and just the tiny detail. It's marvellous, isn't it? Yeah. From the telescope to the microscope as well. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, Sue? Animals, birds, and insects. Just the wonderful variety. It's great, isn't it? That's a good springboard, isn't it, Susan? Morning, everyone. So there's so many answers to that question, aren't there? I had a little think as well, the same. It's an amazing, beautiful place, this world, isn't it? I was thinking of the sun setting, the sun rising, a rainbow, stars on a clear night, waves crashing on a beach. I'm with you there. Still waters, greenery, daffodils, icicles, autumn leaves. And we can go on, can't we? I'm sure we could just keep going between us. And creation points us to God. We see God's creativity and diversity in his creation, his generosity, his life-giving nature. I know when we go out into the countryside, I connect with God through nature. I breathe deeper I feel more relaxed and refreshed. But not just in the countryside. We can take time in the city on the school run, the daffodils coming up now and and things like that. God's provision for us of his beautiful world is amazing. And so we can be thankful, turning our hearts to him in praise. Creation points us to our creator God. The first lesson is from Genesis 2, chapters 8 to 15, and can be found on page 4. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold on that land is good, aromatic resin, and the onyx also there. The name of the second river is the Gishon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. This is the word of the Lord. So as as John said, we're continuing to work through John Stott's book this morning, The Radical or Rooted Disciple. And we've come today to chapter 4, which is Creation Care. And we've already looked, without you noticing so much, at the joy of creation pointing us to God. We've heard from our reading that we are the stewards or caretakers of creation. John Stott explains that creation care is intrinsic to discipleship, to following Jesus. It's not an added extra bit that we can choose to have or not. It's central to, it's part of our walk with God and on our identity as people. He points out that um, as human beings, we were created with three fundamental relationships. So the first to be in relationship with God, relationship with each other, and relationship with creation. And in that relationship with creation, our role, if you like, our responsibility as we've just heard, is to work the land and take care of it. It paints a picture of people and the wider natural world flourishing together. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Does that make you want to burst into a Graham Kendrick song? It did me. I kind of, you know, you go back, don't you, to the 80s. But the earth of the Lord's and everything in it. And he's delegated the responsibility of looking after it to us. John Stott says that we are to conserve the environment and develop its resources for the common good and to cooperate with God in the fulfilment of his purposes as an expression of our worship since our care of creation reflects our love for the creator. There's a lot in that quote. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) To cooperate with God in the fulfilment of his purposes as an expression of our worship, since our care for creation reflects our love for the creator. Now, there are a a couple of pitfalls to be avoided as Christians in terms of our relationship with creation. The first is a temptation to worship creation itself to award its powers and abilities beyond itself. No, creation points us to creator God. 
It's God who provides and nurtures and gives life, not the creation itself. And the second pitfall is to go to the other extreme and think that the natural world doesn't matter, that somehow it's less important than the spiritual, as one day we'll leave it all behind for heaven anyway. No, our calling is to value and care for creation as part of our living for God. The second reading is Romans 8, verses 18 to 23. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is the word of the Lord. So if you uh, turned to that Romans reading, you'll see that the context of that passage comes within life in the spirit, living godly lives even though times are hard. And in our particular passage that Chris just read, Paul talks about creation being in eager anticipation for salvation, of groaning, waiting to be liberated. So sin in the world has caused all creation to fall from the perfect state in which God created it. Creation groans. You see, we as human beings are created in God's image, which includes generosity, being generous and gracious with the resources that we've been given, sharing space and resources with each other. And the natural world and humanity is so tightly linked as God's creation that when resources are held onto and used selfishly, primarily to make life better for ourselves, it has a knock-on effect, not only on the people around us, but on the whole world bringing suffering and injustice, particularly for the poor. And you don't need me to tell you of the ecological and environmental crisis that we're in. We can access information freely now about the damage that has been done over the years and is still being done to our world. Pollution, climate change, throwaway culture... Ghost flights, that's when empty or near-empty planes make journeys so as not to lose the airport slots, despite the damage that that contributes to. Deforestation, food waste, increased carbon footprint, water pollution, the list seems endless. 
What a sorry state we're in. And the recent United Nations report is tough reading. We're told that many of the impacts of global warming are irreversible, though there is a brief window of time to avoid the very worst. It says that over 40% of the world's population are highly vulnerable to climate. That nature's dangerous decline is unprecedented. That species extinction rates are accelerating. And that transformative changes are needed to restore and protect nature. And we know all this, and yet humankind still resists the changes that would make the difference. We had high hopes for COP26, but it didn't go as far as many wanted. And on a personal level, it can be a constant battle within ourselves too. It's so much easier to opt for our own comfort and convenience. We don't always think of the bigger picture. In the moment, we don't care as much as we should. Or maybe we don't really think we can make a difference. Habits can be hard to break. But with practice and determination and recognising that it is part of our living for God, we can make changes one step at a time. And I feel that that step-by-step approach is a good one. It's so easy, isn't it, to feel overwhelmed and guilty about the whole situation. But these things can then stop us from taking positive action. So as we've heard from the reading, we do have a promise that one day creation will be liberated, renewed by God, and will no longer be subject to death and decay. In Jesus, we have a hope for future glory, and we eagerly await God's new order. His name will be honoured all over the world. In the meantime, we are called to work to bring God's kingdom and his values to the world. And this is missional as well. The world watches what we do as Christians. And our witness through caring for creation can have a big impact in pointing people towards God, the creator. We wanted to spend a short time just kind of root it root something of what we heard this morning what we can do the aim of this morning wasn't to make you even more stressed than you might already be but to look at things that we can do as individuals maybe we can do as a church to move things forward so we have an eco group in the church who particularly forward these things bobby is one of the members of that eco group and i'd like to interview you now right bobby we've seen you and peter valiantly peddling to church on your tandem presumably that is a step you two have made in terms of trying to live a, a more sustainable green life it, it is actually i mean it didn't start off like that it started off as a contract between us that when pete retired because cycling is one of his hobbies i said i would join him cycling but it would have to be a tandem because i'm too scared to cycle on the roads on my own yeah. and he'd have to join me at the allotment and so uh, last Easter, we, we bought the tandem. Pete retires uh, in a couple of months. But we have found, actually, coming to church, we, we went to the Mac to see a film last night. We have reduced our driving a lot, and we're having a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and it's, even in the rain, it's mostly good fun. So, yeah. so yes, but it, it was 
kind of originally planned for other reasons. It's good to hear and good to know that doing things differently doesn't have to reduce our fun. It might actually increase our fun. Um, We've been walking to church a bit more because we can, and it is actually good. We do feel better because of it. What other personal changes have have you made in in your lifestyle? Well, I I was thinking about this. I wasn't supposed to be doing this. Fred was supposed to be doing this. So I'm thinking off the top a little bit. We've reduced things. So, So we've reduced what we buy. We've reduced the meat that we eat. We've reduced washing. So we try not to wash things quite so often. Things like fleeces are fabulous for keeping you warm, but actually the microfibers that then go into the watercourse are causing enormous damage. So it's kind of that compromise, isn't it? So we have fleeces, but we're washing them less often than we used to it and those sorts of things. So, mm. so lot, yeah, reducing things where we can, and certainly we're eating a lot less meat. Yeah. I was thinking of the church eco-group now. Well, I was what? going to tell you one more thing, because Rachel told me I should say this. <laughs> one of the, the big things that we've just done... We used to have a, a gas fire in our living room so that we didn't have to have heating on all the time. You know, in the evenings we could sit in the in a, in a warm living room with a gas fire. Last year it was condemned. And so we kind of thought it was a good opportunity to look for an alternative form of heating for that room. And so, again, last year we had installed some far-infrared panels in our living room. They fit on the ceiling, which is great because it's given us more space for seating in our living room. And they're using electricity rather than gas, which is obviously a... We're on a green tariff, you know, it's a much better... Interesting hearing about that, because we're looking for something to replace what was our source of heating in our front room. Yeah, Yeah. so, and and they've proved to be very, very effective. Thank you. So we're very pleased with that. Right. Okay, eco-group. On to the the church group now. Can you tell us what has been done, if, if we need reminding what's been done in the church and... Okay, so we, we have done lots of things. We, we've kind of fiddled around the edges quite a lot, to be, to be fair. Done the things that are the cheapest things to do. We've done a lot of work outside. Part of that wasn't just to do with eco, but to do with wanting to be a blessing to the community. So mm. where we've planted, it's been about making our frontage more beautiful. Yeah. So when the community walks past, they see that. But in doing that, we've chosen plants that are environmentally friendly, that the bees will like, the um, insects will like, that are going to be good for the environment as well. I'd like to see that grow as a, as a communal thing, doing it together, but it's an important part of what the eco-group have done. And we're going for an award as a well, church? Well, we we're part of the A. Russia eco-church scheme. We got bronze quite a while ago, and we've been mm. working towards... Silver And the things that we were sure on were things around lifestyle Mm. and global and community. We've built that up a lot. In fact, the Lent Challenge has ticked some of the boxes, which is great. But they're Mm. things that we need to keep doing annually and and making sure that that is continued. But Fred and I sat together on Zoom and went through the questionnaire uh, earlier last week. And we think we've got through, well, hey, Rosha, tell us we've got to... We can now claim the silver awards and hopefully buy the silver plaque. To get to gold, we really need to consolidate some of the things that we already do and make sure that we are doing them regularly. But there are some bigger things to consider, like yeah. carbon offsetting and mm. you know whether we want to change the heating situations and mm. some bigger, costlier stuff mm. that needs to be addressed there. Okay. Thank you, Bobby. Solar panels as well. 
We've got solar panels. Susan, you're going to tell us something else about the things that we can be doing. That's great, Bobby. Thank you. And she an encouragement, Bobby. And, and to Fred, obviously, and to the eco uh, group, uh, that'd be great if, uh, if, if more of us can get involved in that. And we're just thinking about what other kind of individual responses we could take. Lent is obviously a, a great opportunity to take time to reflect, isn't it? And this year at Christchurch, we're encouraging each other at Lent and beyond to live a greener life. We can, of course, support some of the Christian environmental organisations. We've heard a bit from Tear Fund, Bobby's mentioned a Russia, Christian Aid. There are many, aren't there, who are doing amazing work around the world to bring uh, restoration. And also, I'd like to encourage people to have a look and revisit the eco page on the church website. It's been recently updated. There's lots of suggestions and ideas on there. There's also Ben's talk from the One Small Step week that we had, which goes more into does God really care for our creation? And then we have a lifestyle challenge, which Bobby's pointed out. We've talked about the A. Rosher checklist that we're doing in church. There is one on creationcare.org.uk, which is a lifestyle questionnaire and has the same five categories that are used in the church one. So there are things like worship and lifestyle, our global impact and, and all of those sorts of things. And you can get bronze, silver and gold awards for yourself any virtual ones but but it's it's quite good in terms of giving ideas of other things that you might be thinking about where perhaps you can make your own changes so it's creationcare.org.uk father we thank you that you are indeed a great god you put us in a great world you've given us a great savior the lord jesus so help us to live lives that glorify him glorify you lord and uh, by your spirit help us to be the people you always intended us to be living in a world and changing a world to be what you do intended to be we pray in jesus name amen